Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Sometimes change feels like suffering. (laughs) It does because we don't want to change. We want to stay the way we are because that's just being human. But but it's God's uh, intention for us to always constantly be in a state of changing and growing and moving closer to God and just, you know, being more holy and being like Jesus. Jesus came to show us how to live. And sometimes we read that and we go over it and go, okay, wow, he did so great. He, he healed the sick. He went around telling people about his father. He was so loving to people. And, and watching the chosen, how he kind of maneuvered the disciples into, uh, even though they said one thing, he maneuvered them into what he wanted. And he did it in a loving way, not to just blast them, even though sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, how could they even do that? How could they say that? He's right there. (laughs) But we kind of do the same thing, don't we? (laughs) It was during the 49-day period the Jewish people underwent a radical transformation, just as we do each year uh, during this time of counting the Omer. We strive to grow and mature in our spiritual state. And we do that not only during this time of counting the Omer, but we should be doing it all the time. <laughs> but it's specifically during this time, it's made for us to really examine those emotional aspects that we have for every week so we can refine them and tone them so we are getting more holy and being like Jesus. The Torah tells us to set high goals for ourselves and We can never set goals high as God has for us, but we can always reach to attain where he wants us to go. Amen. Uh, It tells us that, and then the growth begins during the counting of the Omer. The process is just like it would if we were in a marathon race. Improvement is expected every single day. Day by day by day, we do certain things to reach our goal. And I understand that, and I and I because I was a competitive swimmer, so there were so many things that I had to do to reach the goal that I wanted to reach. Well, life is like that. (laughs) We have to set, there's an order, we have to set goals for ourselves, and then we do things day by day to reach those goals. Uh, We all go to work, we go to work to uh, get rid of all of our negative attributes and challenge ourselves on doing uh, acts of kindness, because Things are going so crazy. It's like, okay, why do I want to be kind to this person? They're driving me crazy. <laughs> but we are to do acts of kindness and doing charitable works um, because that's what we're supposed to do. Even though people drive us crazy, we don't have to be around them all the time, but we can pray for them. We can say nice things to them to kind of squash their, you know, what they're doing. Uh, that's an act of kindness. <laughs> During this time and after, we should hold ourselves to the highest possible standards. When you're a Christian and we get saved and we read God's word, he gives us a goal. 
and we need to be better than the next person. We need to be better than the non-believers and hold ourselves to God's goals. Amen. Amen. Sometimes it would make it hard. That should make it hard for us to go back to the way we used to be. And that's why the Bible tells us, don't forget where you came from. Because <laughs> we, we know we don't want to go back there. <laughs> but the enemy comes to tempt us and, and bring things to us to help us get, to try to get us there. Ancient Jewish wisdom says, there is none as free as he who is totally involved with the Torah. The Bible contains God guidelines. Sometimes we say, okay, the Bible tells us this, but there is God's guidelines for living a successful life. In our flesh, we want no boundaries and no restraints. <laughs> Isn't that what they say now? There's no boundaries and no restraints. We can do whatever we want to. And we see people doing that every single day. Yeah. you know. And it's like, why would you be doing that? And it's like, God, I know what your word says. I know you're here with us, protecting us and keeping us on the straight and narrow path. But what are these people doing that call themselves Christians that we see in the media and everywhere else? And it's like, they're not doing what you're telling us to do. But you know what? We know. We have to keep ourselves in a straight and narrow path. And there's some boundaries we like. <laughs> some boundaries we have to have. We often confuse and cloud living and freedom with, with legal, no legal or ethical and moral boundaries. But in reality, an uninhibited lifestyle without any moral restraint uh, is a brand of self-centered humanism. And it serves only self. And we see that all over, and I... You know, musicians and, you know, that pastor that I was talking about that somebody was just telling me about today. And it's like, why in the world would he be saying that? And, you know, and that just reminds me, some people that are in, that say they're pastors, they're not called to be pastors. Some of them, it's just a job. And you can see that how they, they don't even really train and teach their people. They're just, you know, reading this. My son went to a church and, uh, in L.A., and he was listening to this guy, and he was like, he said things, and I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. God wouldn't tell us to do certain things. And, uh, and he's like, okay, so I'm in this church. I'm going to listen. I'm not, not going to be judgmental because he's so used to being here at our church that when he when you go to another church, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> so he said, I'm not going to go in there with that. I'm going to have an open mind and listen to what he's saying. You know, but then when somebody tells you we're going to um, invite or have uh, same-sex marriages in our church or, or um, just uh, somebody with an identity change. Now they used to be Steve. Now we're going to call them, you know, Shanna. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, no, that is not right. And that's what we're hearing. Uh, the other day, uh, well, actually it was Passover, and I was telling Scott because I saw it on TV, and I told him to come in and look at this uh, synagogue in New York. I mean, and we watched them for a lot of, but they were inviting and welcoming a uh, guy in their church that had changed, transgendered into a girl, and they were giving him a new name, and I'm like, no. 
<laughs> but you know what? It's the end times, right? It's the end times. And you know what? We are to expect things that don't line up with God's word. But we know what lines up with God's word, and we're to make sure that that's what we're doing. We pray for the non-believers. We pray for the people because that's just confusion. So we pray for them that they open their eyes and God open their ears so that they hear and see the truth. Amen. Amen. We all know the middle letter of the word sin and pride is I. I know, and we used to say all this in children's ministry. And people filled with sin and pride have eye disease. <laughs> A self-centered existence that is solely fixated on fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And, and we see that everywhere. I mean, eye disease is everywhere nowadays, and it's like, oh, my gosh. So, you know, continually pray for our nation, pray for our government, pray for the people in government, because we need to make sure that they're hearing from God, and if they're not, then they have a Jesus uh, road of Damascus experience to change how they're thinking, amen? To live in freedom, uh, it must include living free from sin. Sin brings bondage, and ultimately it brings death. Not Maybe not real sp- physical death, and sometimes it does, but spiritual death also, which is sometimes when you in the Bible they talk about Israel, they had spiritual death. How many of us have been in a situations that could have ended in death? And, and, and I think about, you know, when I was growing up, I have. <laughs> hanging out with my friends who do drugs, even though I'm the designated driver <laughs> because I wasn't doing it. But I would be there to make sure they got back, you know, safely. But I had a girlfriend, her uh, boyfriend was a drug dealer. We used to go over there all the time. And, <laughs> and I'm sitting there. He said, well, you can bring her all the time. She doesn't want anything from me. But, <laughs> but just to be in that situation, I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> and when we're young, we do so many silly things, and it's like, oh my God, some they could have been raided, anything, you know, and I could have been dead. So praise God, He was protecting me. And then I think I said in here when I was in my car, my tire fell, flew off, and the angels protected me, and I was able to drive my car, still driving with my tire gone. <laughs> And bring it over to the side and set it down and never had a scratch. But it's like, thank you, God. I mean, because I, I my car could have flipped and all that. And it's like, Lord, thank you that you are doing what your word says and that you are protecting us. And we have angels that protect us and minister to us because I could see my tire. It came off and went in front of the car. And I just looked and said, that looks like my tire, but I'm still driving. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> no <laughs> I didn't think so then <laughs> but that kind of things happen things like that happen and you go man when it hits you and it's a reality when you learn more about God and what he does for us each and every day uh, like this song says we have a mere a million miracles that we don't even realize that happen to us every single day John 3.33 says, whoever receives his testimony, which when things happen, that's our testimony, and we share that with people, and it says, okay, I want that God, (laughs) has set his seal of approval to this. God is true. 
I can say that faithfully. Pastor Larry and Tiz can say that faithfully. Uh, that man has definitely certified, acknowledged, declared once and for all, and himself assured that it is divine, it is a divine truth that God cannot lie. <laughs> he said it, he, he protects us, and he does what he says he's going to do. And when things happen like that, it's like, I know without a shadow of a doubt that what he says is true. I know that I have a testimony that I can say to somebody on the street doing crazy things that, look, I've been there. God is, is there with you and protecting, and you need to get away from what you're doing. <laughs> when you have a testimony, it's a lot easier to talk to people. Amen. During our journey, because counting the Omer is a journey, we must submit to God, and also we need to learn to resist the enemy and the evil inclinations of the flesh. This is why in Judaism, the leaven is also a symbol of Yatzer Hara, the evil inclination. Those inclinations hidden in our hearts, because some of those things are hidden because we don't tell it all. <laughs> God knows what it is. Uh, hidden in our hearts, we eventually come back to tempt us. Uh, but praise God, we know we have shut the door on the enemy when we got saved. Um, but we do, however, need to remember how to or know how to identify the enemy when he comes to tempt us uh, because, it, because he's slick. <laughs> he is slick, and he knows each and every one of us and our shortcomings and what you know, will get us to do certain things. So when that happens, we need to go, devil, I see you. I know that it's you and not God. <laughs> So we need to make sure that we have our eyes open on everything so we know that when he comes to tempt us or just say, oh, well, you can't do that because, you know, you're not qualified enough. No. God, the, God's word says that I can do all things, all things. And so that's a, that's a tip that he's uh, trying to get you to trick you to say you can't do something. So you need to say, devil, I see you, and I can do anything that I put my hand to do, and it will be a success. I know a familiar challenge that, uh, that can catch all of us uh, when we have successfully or think we have successfully completed <laughs> our journey to the best of our knowledge or ability is to think that we've changed enough. We've changed enough, and there's nothing else we need to do. Uh, and that's when the enemy comes and tells you, you don't have to do anything else. You are so high up the ladder. You have changed so much that you don't have to do anything else. You just have to ride the wave of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? That's not true. <laughs> because even though some of us have changed a lot, we still have things to do. Amen. And that's why with those uh, seven emotions on the seven weeks, we need to really pay attention to our emotions and what God has put inside of us to, you know, conquer those things, to make sure that we're doing it the way he wants us to do it. Amen. Ancient wisdom says the appointed time between Passover and Pentecost, Shavuot, is when we shed our shortcomings and reveal our true spiritual hidden identity. Because some of us don't always know what our identity is. 
But when we get saved, we have a totally new identity. God is changing us from the inside out. And it's amazing uh, the things that he can do. Because when he was saying I was anointed to be a pastor, I didn't want to be a pastor. <laughs> when Scott got, we got saved at the same time and he wanted to go into Bible school. And I'm like, go ahead, you know, have at it, be good, you know, learn everything you can. Um, but then I was like, wait a minute. I don't want to be a pastor's wife. I don't want to be a pastor. <laughs> I just want to be saved and, you know, and, you know, know that I'm going to heaven. You know, but God had other plans. <laughs> he had other plans. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you start off in uh, teaching two-year-olds and then you end up in charge of the children's ministry. And it's like, wait a minute, what am I doing? <laughs> but he does it and you don't even really think about it because it just comes natural for you to change. And so we need to know, even though we're going through certain things, God is working it out. He's working it out for us to change and to do the things that we are called to do. And uh, it might not feel easy, <laughs> but it can get easy. It does get easier. Amen. All of this is a vivid picture, uh, counting the Omer and everything, a vivid picture of how redemption progressively works in our lives, how you and I work out our salvation and deliverance. The Bible tells us once you get saved, you're not done. Even though some people think that's all. Pray the prayer, you're good, you're going to heaven, and you are, and you are, but we're not done. We're not done. And we have to work out our salvation. That's what the word says. We work it out by doing good works. We work it out by meditating on the, our emotions. We work it out by trying to be more like Jesus. We work it out just by loving one another. We work it out by being a part of something that is heading in the direction that God wants us to be in. Just like we strive to change during the 50 days, we are also to focus on removing the leaven or sin out of our lives when we receive our salvation. Some people get saved and go back and do the same thing they've always done. But we're so, to remove that out of our lives. We've already given our lives to Jesus. Now, here comes the hard work of changing. Here comes the hard work. Sometimes you have to leave your friends. Sometimes you have to make a total change. I know we got rid of TVs and records. Scott used to be a DJ. We got rid of all those, and we're like, after so long, we're like, why did we do that? No. <laughs> but at that point in time, we needed to do that. We needed to do that. We needed to, you know, separate ourselves from everybody, focus on what the Bible says and what God says we should be doing and how we should be doing it, and... It wasn't easy, <laughs> but we did it, and it's like, okay, we want everything that God says he has for us, and when we made that commitment, it made it easier for us to, you know, just look at each other and go, okay, what are we going to do now? <laughs> but we went through it and re kept reading the Bible and learning more and more about what God says we can do and what we need to do and how to live a successful life, Amen. So we're to focus on that. But for most of us, like I said, some of us, it was quick. You made the change. You kept doing what you were supposed to do. Praise the Lord. But some of us, it's just a progression, a continual progression into doing what God wants us to do. And I thank God, Scott, when he got saved and everything, he, he used to smoke. He stopped immediately. Amen. And I'm, I'm like, wow, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he got filled with the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. You can hear him all through the church. And I'm like, why is he doing that? Because, you know, his voice just booms through everything. <laughs> and here I am trying to get, I got saved. We got saved at the same time, and I'm trying to get the Holy Spirit. And I hear him, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm a thinker, so I'm thinking, okay. And then I tell the people, ladies around me, I could be speaking French. I could be saying anything, and how would you know? And they're like, okay, you're a thinker. So now when I get people uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm like, just don't think. <laughs> and I'll say that to people because I say, I know, because I, I was a thinker, and I kept thinking, I could be doing anything, saying anything. But it took me, like, all the way to the drive home, standing in my bathroom, uh, just saying one word for th- 30 minutes or more. It might have been longer. <laughs> but, I, but it finally just clicked in, and, uh, and I was like, okay, I got it, I got it. But, you know, for him to get it like that, it's like, man. <laughs> so it was a, continually, a continuous thing for me. But, you know, sometimes we, our mind and our thinking gets in the way of doing what God wants to do in us and through us. And so we have to know sometimes we need to tone ourselves down. Sometimes we need to express even more to do what God wants us to do. So we have to figure that out, listen to what he's saying, and uh, read the word, study the word. And just reading it is not enough. (laughs) You have to study it. You have to dissect it. You have to see how it works for your life, how it's going to work with your family. And, you know, read other Bibles. You know, go online and see what, you know, other churches and everything say about it or pastors but then ultimately God what is it that you want me to get out of this and I'm telling you when I was studying I put these notes together and and uh, Scott gives me his notes and he said okay I know you're gonna go through it and change things (laughs) so well it has to sound like me (laughs) so I read what he has and then I go study and put my own stuff in and um but Every time I do it, and I get up in the morning like I did this morning, and every time God gives me extra stuff, he gives me different things to put in it. And I woke up at 4.30, and I'm like, okay, go back to sleep. And then your mind starts going, (laughs) and God starts talking to you. And I'm like, oh, go back to I have two more hours. (laughs) No, <laughs> and you can't do it because once your mind starts going and God starts dropping things into your spirit, it's like, okay, just get up and go get the papers and start. Because he is faithful to give us what it is that we need to know. He is faithful to give us what we need to let other people know. We just have to say, okay, God, you know, I'm awake. Modeani, praise your name. I am here and open to whatever it is that you have for me to say today, to say or to live my life today. What is it that I have to do that you want me to do? Not what I want to do today, you know, which is why some people are not in church (laughs) because they're doing what they want to do. But you know what? It's easy for us to um, get comfortable and do what we want to do and what people have told us we should be doing. But you know what? God says, don't keep people from being together, sharpening iron. You know, iron sharpens iron. And we need to make sure that we're doing what he wants, not what's comfortable for us. Amen.
Amen. During our Omer journey, it's a season to renew our minds. Remember that? You need a checkup from the neck up. That's Scott's favorite. <laughs> to the, renew our mind to the love of God and the word of God. Because God loves us so much that he's constantly working on our behalf so that we become the most successful people that he, he's waiting for. We're his army. He has to cultivate us. He has to train us. He has to get us ready to do what he needs us to do for such a time as this, because this is the end times. And he shows it so clearly uh, every day. <laughs> every day we see what he's telling us, and he already told us in his word. So if we, we have to study that word to know, okay, I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to think this way because he already told me it's going to happen. So we just have to be prepared in prayer, in worship, and in doing what he says we need to be doing. Amen. Losing the slave mentality and developing a new, positive, godly, promise-based attitude is difficult, but it's attainable, just like it was for the Jewish people. He kept them out in the desert until they changed their minds and attitude. <laughs> That's why they were out there, because if you're going to Israel, you can see where they were and where they should have been. You can see it. So it's not like they were lost. Pastor talks about that all the time. They weren't lost. God was keeping them out there for them to be refined, for them to be renewed, their minds to be renewed so they understood what it was that God has for them. You're going to believe what I say. I've been protecting you. I'm going to continue to protect you. I'm taking care of you. I'm feeding you. You're in the desert. Your clothes are not withering away. You're not thirsty. But it took them 40 years <laughs> to get that. So the people that he had to get rid of, he did. <laughs> we don't want to be the people he gets rid of. <laughs> we want to we be around long enough to see Jesus come back. We want to be around long enough to get caught up. We want to be around long enough to say, we made a difference in this world. We made this world the way it was able to or supposed to be so when jesus comes here he's gonna feel like he's at home that's our that's our job our job is to make this world be the way it should be when jesus comes back amen i tell you sometimes i think about this and lord we got a lot to do we got a lot of praying we got a lot of praying to do because right now it doesn't look like jesus would feel at home we we're not even really feeling at home <laughs> but it should be. We should be the one saying, this is the way it should be. We're comfortable here because Almighty God, this is his kingdom. This is what he made. This is how it should be. So the question is for each, each one of us is, how far are we willing to go to be with the Lord? How far are we willing to go? Uh, how much tinkering or changing with our personalities will we allow him to do in us? For the next 50 days, culminating on Shavuot, Pentecost, when we receive the outpouring of the word and the Holy Spirit, devoted to developing a prosperous soul, we want the emphasis to be on living with the knowledge and the revelation that we have resurrection power inside of us and that we are able to use that power for good. 
It also includes discovering how to release the God-given power in our lives through prayer, through praise, and sometimes that's all we need to do to change everything around us. We need to pray. That's our weapon. That's our most important weapon. And then praise is our weapon because while we're praying and asking God to do something, we're praising him because we know his word says he's already done it. Amen? And in the practical, everyday situations, he's always working. It might not look like he's working, but he's always working. He's always working on our behalf. We can also discover how to use this power to live life being a blessing to our family, to people we don't even know, to our church being involved and making it work. So when people come in, they feel at home. And uh, wherever God places us to flourish, because when we do what he wants us to do, we flourish. If you're not flourishing, we're missing something. So we need to make sure we're doing that. It's about understanding how to use biblical principles and values so we can walk worthy of the calling of God in our lives. He gave us a calling in the beginning. And sometimes people say, I don't know what my calling is. Whatever it comes easiest to you, that's your calling. He already put it in you, so it's easy for you to use what he's given you. Some people, it's you're a talker. So you can talk to anybody. Some people, you're an administrator. You can put line things up. Some people, you're, you order things. Some people, you're just a blessing to everybody. So, you know, like Pastor said, some people, you're just, you know, a money maker. And you're here to help, you know, help the kingdom. Yeah. You know, and so whatever is easy for you to do without even thinking about it, that's your calling. And we, so we need to recognize that. That's our calling. Uh, Passover and Resurrection Day are celebrations meant to ignite within us a time of powerful transformation. During that time of Passover and Resurrection Sunday, that power inside of us is, is to be ignited and for us to go out and transform not only our lives but those people around us. Because you know what? It's, it gets contagious. Smiling, laughing is contagious. Amen. Being positive is contagious. <laughs> sometimes people start off negative, and if you say something, they can totally just change the atmosphere. And sometimes when we go into the sanctuary, and I have people go in the sanctuary and pray before pastor comes out to change the atmosphere in there, you know, because even sometimes when the worship team's in there worshiping, they're practicing, and they, they don't have it all together yet. <laughs> You know, because they're just like us. They come in with different things. So when you go out there and you pray in the sanctuary, it would totally change the atmosphere, totally change the worship, totally change everything, which is what we're supposed to be doing. Go in there praying, not just sitting waiting for something to happen. Amen. Amen. So uh, while we're going over that, it's uh, sometimes we overlook in our modern times. If it was back in the day, we wouldn't overlook it. But that the Feast of Passover or Pesach, while typically celebrated, is celebrated for eight days, is actually only one day. Then it is followed immediately by the Feast of Unleavened Bread for the next seven days. This eight-day stretch points us to a new beginning. Hallelujah. The instant change from one holiday to the next shows us when we accept Jesus as the Messiah, we need to take, make an immediate shift from receiving salvation to working out our salvation. 
The Omer helps us work out our changes and challenges needed to be successful and closer to God. That's what counting the Omer is all about, how we can get closer to God, what it is we need to meditate on so we have that closeness. If we want to walk by faith and fulfill our destiny, we must understand this new beginning is a journey, not just a destination. Though the feast, through the feast, God shows us his pattern for living a blessed and successful life. It's a pattern that he's already laid out for us. His guidelines are laid out for us to follow, so it's not hard for us to say, what do I have to do? Oh, here's what I have to do. He already laid it out for me. This pattern with the feast is a biblical timeline that's hidden in his uh, calendar and occurs beginning the very next day after Passover. Then it continues for a total of seven weeks and seven Sabbaths, Sabbaths through Pentecost. What God is showing us is that it's not enough for us to be set free. We also need to learn how to live free. Free from, you know, lack, free from sickness and disease, free from depression. All these things we hear the world telling us that we, we are supposed to have and when you need all these pills and medication to get rid of it. No, we don't. All we need is, is Jesus. All we need is living our lives successful and doing what God is telling us to do. That's, that's being free. Amen. First, God takes, uh, takes us out of Egypt, but then we go on a powerful journey with the Lord uh, so he can begin to take Egypt out of us. <laughs> that's exactly what it's all about. Time to take Egypt out of us. Amen. So that's what counting the Omer is all about. So as we end the journey of counting the Omer today, let's end with the prayer that is recited daily after the meditation time. Master of the universe, you have commanded us through Moses, your servant, to count Sepharet Ha-Omer in order to purify us from our evil and uncleanness. As you have written in your Torah, you have You shall count the omer for yourselves from the day following the day of rest, from the day on which you bring the omer as a wave offering. The counting shall be for seven full weeks. Until the day day following the seventh week, you shall count 50 days, so that the souls of your people Israel may be cleansed from their defilement. Therefore, may it be your will, Lord our God and God of our fathers, that in the merit of the Sepharet HaOmer, which I counted today, the blemish that I have caused in the Sepharah, Teferez, Sheba, Giverah, be rectified and may, be, may I be purified and sanctified with supernatural holiness. May abundant bounty thereby be bestowed upon all the worlds. May it rectify our ref- our nefesh, ruach, and neshamach from, the ever, from every baseness and defect, and may it purify and sanctify us with your supernatural holiness. Amen and selah. Amen, amen. So make sure if you haven't started counting the Omer, please start counting the Omer, and remember the emotions that we're supposed to, you know, take control of and conquer in our lives. The next one is the aspects of restraint, which starts tonight. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. Amen.